Hello everybody, uh, I just want to give you a little heads up here. Uh, when we recorded last night, there was a couple things that uh, we didn't do. First thing is, spoiler warning, okay? Because we're going to be getting into some of the spoiler stuff when it comes to the room and when it comes to uh, the disaster artist. Um, so I want to give you fair warning. If you haven't seen the room, you haven't seen the disaster artist yet, uh, I just want to let you know that we're going to be talking about some stuff. That we'll be uh, getting into some of the things that you probably wouldn't want to know if you haven't seen the movie. Uh, that's number one. Number two is, uh, you know, getting back into the swing of things here. One of the things we didn't do is uh, do a non-spoiler review, which is kind of the typical thing we do. We do a non-spoiler, and then uh, then we transition into doing, you know, the deep, uh, I guess. I don't know, deep dive or it, it, we're getting into the spoiler stuff, uh, the spoilerific review, I guess, if you will. So uh, because we didn't do that, first thing is I'm going to be posting this on iTunes and, and Patreon uh, so that you get access to this, even if you're not a Patreon subscriber. Uh, I'm doing that because it's not fair for us to sit down and do a review and not have a non-spoiler one ready to throw out to give people at least a taste of whether we'd like or dislike this movie and then give you the option to go and subscribe you know, to Patreon and get uh, all the other content we have there, but obviously also get the, f the full-length review of The Room and uh, the disaster artist. So that is something I kind of wanted to throw out there before we get started. Uh, and it's just, it's something that we, <laughs> we just, uh, it was a kind of a weird thing for us because uh, Sarah couldn't make it as you'll hear in this episode. And uh, we kind of had to get this together pretty quickly. Uh, you know, Barry had work the next day. So we had a very short window to record last night. And in our effort to try to get this out, you know, as quickly as possible, or at the very least get it recorded as quickly as possible, we just kind of messed up and didn't get the non-spoiler thing uh, recorded, which is something we do right away, and uh, it just didn't happen. So I want to give you a heads up on the spoiler stuff, of course, and then on top of that, you know, just let you know that uh, the reason we don't have a non-spoiler for this is because uh, we just, you know what, we just forgot. It just slipped our minds in our effort to get this thing recorded and, you know, so that I can get this content out to you today. So there you go. All right, um, on to the show. Welcome to the Freaking Geeks Podcast, the flagship podcast of Freaking Geeks Media. In this podcast, hosts Michael, Sarah, and Barry crank the geekiness to 11 covering everything from movies and television to pop culture, video games, books, and so much more. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The podcast is produced each week, so feel free to add us to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. The links will be in the show notes. Okay, now it's time to start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Freaking Geeks podcast. Unfortunately, Sarah could not make it, so it was just Barry and I for this episode. Barry, how's it going? Going well, Michael. All right, so uh, Sarah really wanted to be here. She Obviously, she saw the room, uh, which now I kind of feel bad about because she's not on the podcast. So Yeah, right. Know, that All that uh, pain she had to go through <laughs> to watch the movie just wasn't worth yeah. it ultimately um but consider it consider it punishment for not attending the night well i guess so you know what i mean say so, hey yeah. you know that's your that's your punishment watch, watch it again 
she was really looking forward to it. She really wanted to be here. Unfortunately, she she just got over being sick, and then she just got hit with something else. Uh, in fact, we were supposed to record yesterday, mm. and in the beginning of the day, yeah, she was fine, you know. And then she's like, I started getting this cough, and the next thing you know, she's like, I can barely go more than you know thirty seconds without coughing. So of course, you can't podcast when you have a cough like that, it's just, it's not possible. No one wants to hear that. And, uh, frankly, it's hard to talk. So, and then I asked her today if she was doing Almost any better. watching the room. No, oh. the room gave Almost. her the cough, right? <laughs> Possibly. Did we, just, did we just talk about like viruses traveling <laughs> through the computer and infecting us in real life last yeah, week? going through the television sets. Yeah. <laughs> Compliments of Mr. Wiseau. Indeed. Yeah, so uh, hopefully she gets better. Because um, I asked her today if she was doing any better, and she said she was worse. So she told me straight up. She said, I'm not going to make it tonight. Go on without me um, and have a good time. So I plan on it. Yeah. Uh, we are actually, yeah. so we're here to do what is going to be known as a Freaking Geeks double feature. So in these episodes, you get two for one, right? You get two movies in one in one episode, two reviews. Uh, this one, I guess you could qualify it as two reviews, kind of. Uh, I will admit, uh, with The Room, even though we're going to talk about it and do most of what we usually do, when it comes down to doing the grades and stuff, I thought about just doing it in kind of like a, like a joke, you know, grades, kind of just, right. you know, but I thought, eh, you know what? It's not, it's not really worth it. And uh, we'll give our final grades and our final thoughts and stuff. But we're just going to talk about the room, and then we're going to go into the disaster artist, and we're going right. to talk about that. So that's kind of what we're going to do in this episode. So it's episode fifty-two, and we are going to start out with the room. So I'm going to give you guys the rundown first, and here we go. Uh, the release for The Room was June 27th, 2003. It was written by Tommy Wiseau, directed by Tommy Wiseau, with a runtime of an hour and 24 minutes. A budget of $6 million, a box office of $1.8 million. It stars Tommy Wiseau, uh, Greg Sestero, Juliet Danielle, Philip Haldeman, and Robin Paris. So, the one-sentence review for this movie, this was mine. A movie that must be seen to be believed, and that's not necessarily a compliment. <laughs> so, <laughs> Riker, what is your one-sentence review for The Room? Uh, and uh, even though I thought, you know, I couldn't have said it better than you did, Michael, to be honest. Uh, I said an, an atrocious attempt at dramatic cinema. However, it is entertaining. It That's is entertaining. Two That's a two-sentence review. Eh, it's okay. So. Um, it is entertaining, and we're going to get to that uh, because there's a reason why this movie is so beloved, you know, why people – it's not a good movie, right? That's obvious. And anybody <laughs> that sits down and watches this movie and is like, this is an amazing movie, and it's not like with a, like a tongue-in-cheek kind of response. Uh, I, I don't know what you've watched in your life. Maybe this is the first movie you've ever seen, and in that case, I, I guess – I can understand, but generally this is just a bad movie across the board in every measure. However, 
there is a reason why it's loved. And we're going to get to that because I think there's one specific thing about this movie that stands out in, and that makes it, or what I want to say. There's one reason why this movie stand, the thing about this movie that stands out that makes it so beloved uh, by, by so many people and why people will go to midnight screenings, sit for a couple of, well, not even a couple hours, almost a couple hours, throw spoons at the screen, yell, um, do all the things that they do there in these, uh, these midnight screenings. And that passion and that fervor, it, it comes from a certain place, you know, deep inside. It's kind of like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. It, it, that's a much better movie, obviously. But there's like this passion, this cult following for both movies. And I think it really shines through. And there's a reason for The Room having that kind of cult following. And we'll get to that here shortly. Uh, but first, let me give you a quick plot synopsis for The Room. Johnny is a successful banker who lives happily in San Francisco townhouse with his fiancée, Lisa. One day, inexplicably, she gets bored with him and decides to seduce his best friend, Mark. From there, nothing will ever be the same again. That's the actual you know, plot synopsis. I figured um, I might as well just read that because, to be honest with you, I thought if I try to write a plot <laughs> synopsis myself, I, I don't even know what I would write. Honestly. Yeah, it would, it would be hard to actually have anything succinct and, well, to be honest, make any sense. Yeah. Like truly, what is the plot of this movie? I don't, I don't know particularly if there is one outside of what you said like that. That was, that was well done again. <laughs> and I can, I can't take credit for that because I literally was just, I found it and it, it was perfect. It was, uh, yeah, it says from there, nothing will be the same again, including my viewing of cinema. <laughs> I, I will never watch another movie in the same way again. All of a sudden, when you look at other movies, even bad movies, you realize how much more attention to detail, craft, uh, everything, all the all the things that go into a movie that we take for granted. You watch the room, and then you come to appreciate even bad movies so much more. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's um, yeah. That's where we're at here. But uh, anyway, all right, so we're going to be moving on here in a minute to the thoughts. But uh, first, from our sponsor, sponsor, we have an ad for Spindlecraft. Do you remember the last time you picked up a pen and noticed the quality? How about a razor you handled that didn't feel cheaply made? When was the last time a product made a true and lasting impression on you? In this era of the mass-produced and disposable, anything lovingly handcrafted seems to be a rare thing. Maybe it's time for a change, and Spindlecraft can help. At Spindlecraft, passion and superior quality make it stand out from the faceless, automated crowd. Material for each piece of work is thoughtfully chosen, crafted, sanded, and finally polished with the kind of attention to detail and dedication you can't get off of an assembly line. At Spindlecraft, they know that quality of the material is as important as the quality of the craftsmanship and is a reflection of both the artist and the customer. So rather than buying some cheap pens or razors that you won't give a second thought, purchase something from Spindlecraft. 
To see what they have to offer, go to www.spindlecraft.com and at the checkout, enter the word GEEKS. That's G-E-E-K-S to get 10% off. We're sure that once you have a Spindlecraft product in your hand, you won't want to put it down. All right, so we're going to go into thoughts now. Um, Rager, what are your thoughts on The Room? I mean, you sat down, you watched this movie. I sent you the DVD. You um, did. You, you did. popped this thing uh, in. I think you... I'd have rather received anthrax in the mail, to be <laughs> honest. I, although they were equally punishing. Um, <laughs> oh, my thoughts. You know, it. You know, and, and I've had this discussion with other people that have seen the room, which I don't know many. Matter of fact, out of uh, you know people I work with, only one other person has seen the room, uh, but they knew it well. Now they, you know, they know cinema, they know movies pretty well too. So, you know, they they knew <laughs> they knew what I was getting into. And my thoughts on this movie was, you know, and, and I'm sure I'm not the only one that says this, and I'm not trying to, you know, rehash what anyone else has said, but you know, it it was like watching a train wreck. Um, but an entertaining train wreck. Yeah, I, I don't know. You just couldn't look away. Like, and, you know, I, I had told Michael earlier, like when I put this movie in, I had every intention thinking, oh my gosh, this movie's going to be so bad that I'm going to have to watch, pause, go do something, come back, continue, stop, go do something, come back. But you know what? I literally sat and watched the thing, <laughs> thing, start to finish. And and that's and that's what I thought. I thought, man, this is a pretty bad movie. You know, you can tell it had like a super low budget and poor acting. And um, I hate to say it, but it kind of reminds me of like low budget adult film type thing without the, you know, obviously the true adult <laughs> <laughs> aspects of adult film. Um, but like the acting was on par with that. <laughs> so... Um, just, you know, there's just, there's just so much, you know, that's, what's crazy about this movie as bad and as simply bad as it is. You could literally just go five minutes at a time with this movie and either laugh hysterically or just scratch your head thinking, what, who in the world would do this or who would write this or who talks like this? Like, it's just unbelievable. I mean, it's, (laughs) that's why it's so entertaining. That's why you cannot turn away from watching this movie as bad as it is like you just can't stop watching it you know um i would like i would like to test that on someone else sometime maybe i'll be nice enough to pay it forward as they say and (laughs) see what someone else's result you know uh, what their comments are what their review is it's i'll tell you what it's um you're right a train wreck is a, a great way of describing this movie when you watch this movie you you know that Everybody, from the actors to the people behind the camera to, you know, Tommy Wiseau, who obviously directed it, wrote the script, starred in the movie. I think it's the sheer ineptitude on display, right? And when you find out that the movie cost $6 million, because $6 million, well, that's not a lot of, mo- a lot of money for, a, you know, movies in general. I mean... Six million is obviously a substantial sum of money in life, right? Someone's handed me six million dollars. I, I don't know what I would do. I'd probably <laughs> skip up and down the highway. Hopefully, uh, people wouldn't hit me with their car. But I'd be so excited, you know, 
you get six million, but six million for a movie is entirely different. Yeah. Now I've seen low budget movies, and six million is going to get you. It can get you a pretty decent movie. All right, if you play your cards right, and oh. if you know you where know, to you put the, the proper money. people doing the filming, the editing. You know what I mean? If if you have skilled mm-hmm. people working on it, I think you know six million. You could probably produce. You know, a quality movie, I guess. Well, I mean, I will get to the to this uh, later, but you know, the disaster artist only cost ten million dollars. Wow! So you know, it's not that much more. There you go. Yeah, right? good point. So here's the thing: six million was spent on this movie, and among the uh, the le- <laughs> there is so much trivia on this movie; it's ridiculous. Um, I was tr- I had to cut out a lot of trivia <laughs> because I literally had no room for it. But just to give you an idea of some of the things that went on regarding this movie. Entire scenes were out of focus because nobody bothered to check the camera lens. <laughs> I mean, just think about that for a second. Repeat that in your head. Yeah. The camera was uh, out of focus and nobody bothered to check to make sure it was in focus. I mean, that could be the only bit of trivia I give you, and that's everything you need to know, you know. Uh, but here's some more. Tommy Wiseau claims to have financed the film by importing and selling leather jackets from South Korea. He refuses to further elaborate on this. However, according to Greg Sestero's book, The Disaster Artist, he said Tommy financed the film from working in real estate and entre- entrepreneurship. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, entrepreneurship, whatever. Could be anything. You know, that could be a lot of things. Yeah. Um, here's uh, something that's pretty well known. It was shot simultaneously on 35mm film in high-definition video. Tommy Wiseau was confused about the difference between the formats, so he used both cameras on the same mount. He also purchased the cameras instead of renting them as a film production usually does. Again, it's crazy. I mean, you take these cameras and you literally tape them together so that they can shoot the scene at the same time. And during the movie, you can see the differences, right? You can see like one shot will be in 35 millimeter. Next shot will be in digital. (laughs) And the thing is he didn't understand also that you have to light them differently. You light when you're shooting in digital, you light the room differently than if you're shooting it on 35 millimeter. He didn't understand that. So therefore, some scenes, lighting-wise, come across, you know, from shot to shot, darker or lighter, depending on whether you're using digital or 35 millimeter. Again, just more fun stuff. Um, Greg Sestero stated in his book, The Disaster Artist, that Tommy Wiseau took 32 takes to say the lines, I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Wiseau comments, or Wiseau sometimes needed cue cards to help him with his lines. Um, not good, especially <laughs> if you're an actor and you're the main character in the movie. Um, according to Greg Sestero, Tommy Wiseau uh, submitted the film to Paramount, hoping to get them to distribute it. They rejected the film within 24 hours. Usually, it takes about two weeks to get a reply. <laughs> Um, most of the crew were convinced the film would never be seen by anyone. 
Uh, filming took over six months. In that time, two cinematographers, along with their crew, uh, resigned and three actors left, being either recast or replaced with a completely different character. Uh, let's see. The billboard for the film was erected on Highland Avenue in Los Angeles, where it stayed for five years. Wow. Later, the same billboard was used to promote the book The Disaster Artist, and then it was also used to promote um, the Disaster Artist movie. <laughs> so they used the same location and everything. Uh, many of the crew members had to conceal their laughter about what they were witnessing. The cameramen began to laugh so hard the camera would shake during takes. The first director of photography had his own tent where he could laugh out of sight while ostensibly watching the footage. So, there you go. There is some trivia. But trust me, there is a mountain left that I did not touch. Um, but, yeah. So, anyway, uh, back to thoughts about this movie. It's just a bad movie. Uh, but the thing is, despite the ineptitude on display, despite the, the terrible dialogue, just the terrible script writing in general, uh, the poor acting... Uh, but let me say one thing about the acting. It's pretty bad. But <laughs> I thought that Julie, or, uh, Juliet, that's the actress, uh, Lisa's mother. Yeah. I thought she did a pretty good job. Yeah, she looks like she could have been on like a sitcom. Yeah, she was good. You know what I mean? That was her yeah. first role. Wow. She was, she definitely, uh, if we had to, you know, name the MVP or most valuable actor in the movie. She easily wins that one, hands down. She easily wins it, hands down. No doubt about it. Um, all right, so let's talk about some of the things in this movie that, that kind of come and go. Uh, we have plots that just disappear, right? So the cancer <laughs> thing, the cancer diagnosis is probably, it might be the most famous thing in the entire movie. Uh, Lisa's mom just casually mentions, uh, I got the test back. I definitely have breast cancer. And what I love about this moment in the film is that Lisa's reaction to the fact that her mother just told her that she has you know, breast cancer is not like, oh, my God, mom, uh, uh, you know, just freaking out because most people would freak out right. when they're told that, hey, I have I have cancer. Right. But instead, Lisa's like, oh, yeah, it's such a weird reaction. But yeah. the bigger thing is that 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 plot never comes back, right? Nope. We never see any resolution for it in the entire movie. And Tommy Wiseau later said it was a plot twist. <laughs> I, I don't think he understood what a plot twist is. So there you no, go. Obviously not. Um, Maybe he was saving it for a spinoff that we didn't know about. It wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> so let's, let's also talk about the sex scenes in this movie. <laughs> oh geez, referencing my uh, adult film. Uh -huh. I said earlier, huh? Uh, um, so, a couple things here. Tommy said that his ass needed to be shown in this movie in order to sell <laughs> in order to sell tickets. By the way, um, they shot one sex scene, and by the way, when he's like thrusting, I. I it's often joked that he's like thrusting into her belly button or something because it's like it has nowhere yeah. near where it's supposed to be. Uh, but the thing is, 
they shot one scene and Tommy decided, I think kind of spur of the moment, that he wanted to shoot a second sex scene. While the actress, uh, Juliette Danielle, uh, was a little uncomfortable with having to do another sex scene, you know. So they kind of reached an agreement where they would shoot some footage, new footage, but that other footage, would, you know, old footage from the past sex scene would be spliced into it as well. And you can tell that. If you watch both sex scenes, yeah. you can see there are shots that were, you know, recycled into the this scene here. So, uh, but uh, apparently... On top of the many, many things that Tommy did when the cameras weren't rolling, it, uh, he would often criticize cast members, and Juliet was uh, no exception. He would say, "Hey, you have pimples on your face," or comments, on, you know, about her body or or something, and it obviously was a big deal, as you can imagine. From the people on set, you know, there's this girl who's just, you know, more or less being attacked, even if Tommy's completely oblivious as to what he's really doing, which is, you know, you know, meant, you know, her mentally, you know, hurting this, you know, young actress who's very young, like I think she was like maybe 21 or 22 at the time, something like that. Uh, she had just moved to Hollywood, so. You know, this is all new for her. And here's Tommy, you know, commenting on her body, you know, this and that. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's a pretty terrifying uh, experience, I would imagine, being on that set. So, you know, I don't know what else you could say about this movie. I mean, it's just there's a lot of plot lines that, that come in into the movie. Uh, they're never resolved. We have characters who disappear or like you know are replaced by other characters or the actors are simply recast and it's just a weird thing but six months is a long time to shoot this movie this movie shouldn't have taken anything longer than a Week. month maybe uh, six I, weeks i'm thinking okay <laughs> i'm being generous by the way <laughs> yes uh, that includes writing it by the way yeah well, six weeks. <laughs> probably the most famous thing about this movie, however, is the fact that the shots in the movie when they're on top of the building, right? So when they're up top, all you see is green screen. Well, you don't see yeah. it as a we don't see it as green screen, but they're shooting on green screen. The fact is, the building that they were shooting in had a rooftop. They could have gone up there with cameras and simply shot the scenes. Yeah. Instead, Tommy decided that uh, they were going to use re- use green screen and you know digitally put the city you know behind the actors. That cost a lot of money, by the way. That's that's not cheap. That's ridiculous. That's <laughs> what that is. Um, drug dealer comes into the movie right uh denny you know apparently he's been you know dabbling in the drug scene and this guy's like you owe me money what was and, his name again I, I can't even remember his name chris uh, r uh, I, is it is it chris r oh chris r chris, yeah chris i r. think it is chris r and when we say chris r we mean chris and then r yes r the letter r yeah like <laughs> it's pretty crazy so he comes into the scene, you know, there's this whole thing, and again, never brought up again. Yep. You know, so apparently this was a, this was a one-off scene and nothing more. 
So it's a crazy movie. It's it's it it defies belief. If you've never seen the if you've never seen the room, <laughs> check it out. It, seriously, it's terrible. But before we move on to the disaster artist, right? Before we grade it, and do our final thoughts here. I do want to mention why I think this movie is so revered. What is it about this movie that makes it so watchable, despite the fact that it's so bad? Because it's not just a it's so bad it's good kind of movie. There's more to it than that. As I said before, there's a there's a level of ineptitude here that is staggering, truly. Um, fundamental mistakes are made pretty much every moment that these guys are on set. But the one thing that saves this movie is passion. There is passion and heart in this movie which really shines through. Despite the bad script, despite all the terrible things about this movie, you can tell that Tommy Wiseau is passionate to make, it, to make this movie. To him, when he was making this movie... And he can say everything he wants now about the fact that, oh, I always knew this was going to be a dark comedy. It wasn't supposed to be taken seriously. No, look, trust me. From everything that I've heard, and I don't think anybody believes this, but I'm just saying, I think from everything I've heard, he fully believed that he was creating a great, a great movie. You know? And so therefore, I think when he was on set and he was shooting this movie and he wrote the script and all this... To him, it was this amazing piece of cinema. It was an amazing script that he couldn't wait to get made. It was an amazing movie that he was so excited to to get out there and uh, show people. And then it comes out, and the reception is complete opposite. It is lambasted by critics. And you know, what do you do? You you have to kind of embrace that, right? And I think that's what he's done. But it's the passion, the undeniable passion, that really makes this movie rewatchable. Or watchable, it's just if you watch it one time. Uh, but if you watch it more than once, it's why. You can feel that passion kind of come through on the screen, even though it's terrible. So, yeah. what do you thought? No, I, I agree. It's, you know, as, as an educator kind of reminds me of that project that you know the kid worked their butt off on and you just don't have the heart to say man this is terrible you know what i mean like because you're just because you know how much they put into it you just you you appreciate it for their effort you know and that's i think you can see that i mean it sounds ridiculous and i'm not just saying that because of course after you see the disaster artist you, you know that's fully known um but yeah, just like even when I watched The Room, because I watched The Room prior to seeing The Disaster Artist, I got that vibe, you know, that, man, this guy has no clue what he's doing. The people around him probably don't know what they're doing. No one can act. But yet, you know, you just you, you just accept it and enjoy it. I, I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to pinpoint. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, like but, you can tell everyone's trying really hard to make this movie. You know, they are doing their best. It's not just bad actors yeah. not really trying all that hard. It's they're really giving it their all. It's just they're in way over their heads is basically what's going on. They don't know what they're doing and they don't know how to do things that most other people in the industry could tell them exactly what they need to do. They could come on set and do it themselves. But 
you know, they just, they're doing their own thing, or at least Tommy is, and he basically runs the show. So, you know, they're just trying to, I think most of the crew was just trying to mitigate the damage as best they could, but knowing the script was as bad as it was, they were just trying to do as much as they could to make it as decent of a shooting experience as possible, but knowing full well that the end product was garbage. So... Uh, all right, so let's move on here to final thoughts, and we're going to, to grade the movie. Uh, Rake, why don't you give your final thoughts and grade for The Room? I will give The Room a C. Okay. Now, in terms of its acting, editing, you know, all the little parts of it, obviously, F. <laughs> but as an overall movie and its entertainment value and enjoyability and just you know the reason you know the the way it makes you watch the movie you, you have no choice but well i felt like i had no choice but to give it a c you know it's mm-hmm. yeah i don't know really how, what else to say about it like yeah no that's 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 fine um for me it's a c minus mm-hmm. and i basically um kind of echoing what you said here yeah everything about the movie just screams f everything um shaky cam uh camera just moves at random times like there'll be a scene and in this scene you can see the camera shake you know which could have been the guy laughing doing the camera um but despite all of its flaws the many many flaws (laughs) it's still this mesmerizing yeah. piece of cinema. Yeah. Ask yourself, like, and you could, you know, I could probably think of, I could rewatch this movie before I rewatched a ton of movies. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like after this podcast, I could easily pop it back in and watch it again. Yeah. And then, you know, if you ask me to watch, I don't know, what's an acclaimed movie over the For, past couple of years. Uh, um, Give me one. Uh, the Birdman. No. Yeah, for example, I, I couldn't watch that one again. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. But yet I could watch this one again. And I think that's what kind of, you know, I mean, that that's something I can't argue with. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how do you say it's not successful in one way, shape, or form when, you you know, you ask yourself that question? Well, could you watch it again? You'd be like, yeah, I could watch it again. Because I guarantee you miss things the first time, the second time, the third time. I guarantee you constantly miss stuff with this movie. And oh, yeah. it'll put a smile on your face. You know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh, I didn't see that the first time. So I mean, if you if you ask yourself that question, you know, I think I think most people will agree with me on that. Right. Uh, okay. Before we move on to the disaster artist, I just want to say this: if you have not seen the room, and for some reason you've listened to this whole you know review so far, at least, uh, all I can tell you is this. You can either go out and buy this movie, sit down by yourself, and watch it. But I will say, if you want to enjoy yourself the most, get some friends together. Get like three or four of your, your buddies or whoever. Uh, if you have people at work that you enjoy watching movies with, whatever, you know, order a pizza, have them come over, knowing full well what they're getting into, by the way. 
sit down and watch this movie together. You will have a great time yeah. <laughs> if you're in a group. The first time, it's not like you have to watch it with the group the first time, but it's enjoyable when you watch it with some people. Yeah. Yeah. Try doing that with another movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's the quality this movie has. Yep. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. You know, so before you know, before we give before we move on to the disaster artist, um, I would like to say that you know, if if you've been listening to us on uh, Freaking Geeks here, you might be able to recollect that Michael one time just at the end of uh, one of our podcasts. I think you did. Was it during one of the podcasts? It might have been like a post. Podcast Maybe it discussion. was post podcast. I don't remember he, now. Yeah, he's like, you know, hey Rake, have you ever seen the the room? And I'm like, you know, I've heard of it, but I'm not sure. He goes, really? You haven't? You know? I'm like, mm, I don't think so. And uh, of course, I referenced the. Uh, I thought, you know, the Brie Larson room, which got so much acclaim, but obviously that's a different. That's just room, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think, think it's I think that one's just called room, not the room, the room, whatever you want to call it. And uh, in honest to goodness, within. Two weeks, maybe three. Here, I heard about the disaster artist. Here, I'm talk, you know, I'm listening. I'm hearing about this Tommy Wiseau guy and the room, and the disaster artist is based on this movie, and it's just it was uncanny the way it all unfolded. Um, you know, for this for this current podcast, yeah, like, it did it just, work out just, pretty well. <laughs> yeah, it worked out great. Uh, yeah, it's 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 awesome. You know, it's everything you said it was, Michael. I'll give you that. Well, thank you. Everything yeah. you said it was. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I'm glad it came out, and I'm glad we got to watch it. I'm glad we're doing the review. Yeah. All right. So we're going to move on to uh, our review of The Disaster Artist, but first an, uh, an ad for Patreon. Do you like podcasts about movies, television shows, books, games, and pop culture? How about sports like football and tennis? Here at Freaking Geeks Media, one of our many goals is to create a variety of podcasts that you can enjoy listening to. From the Freaking Geeks podcast to Hungry for Hannibal, Friday Night Mics, the American Gods podcast, and Stranger Things, we know that giving you an assortment of options is one of the best ways of bringing you back for more. But it does take quite a bit of work and expense on our end to make these podcasts a reality. Patreon gives us the opportunity to make a living doing what we love. However, to do this, we need your help. By donating as little as a dollar a month, you get access to both past and upcoming Patreon-only content, as well as early access to regular episodes before they appear on iTunes. Other tier rewards include monthly Loot Crate giveaways, access to live broadcasts, Freaking Geeks t-shirts, magnets, and much more. We can honestly say that anything given is greatly appreciated. So, consider supporting us by going to www.patreon.com slash freakinggeeks and check out what we have to offer. We think you'll like what you see and hear. All right, so let's go to the Disaster Artist review, and we're going to do the rundown here as well for the movie. All right, so it was released on um, December, December 15th, uh, 2017. It was written by Scott uh, Newstater, uh, Michael H. Weber, and it was based on a book called The Disaster Artist, which was, uh, I think it was co-written by Greg Sestero, or at least I think it was 
it was Greg Sestero, but I think it was maybe written by an, another author, and I don't know who that is at the moment. Uh, but Greg Sestero, obviously, being the driving force behind the book, uh, in a sense, he's friends with Tommy Wiseau. It really gives um, a really great account of what it was like to be on set. And not just on set, but also a lot of the stuff before they ever got to Los Angeles, how he met Tommy, and you know, more or less all the events that led up to them deciding to make this movie. And of course, then all the things that happened while they were making it. And uh, it's a fascinating book. If you haven't read The Disaster Artist, I highly recommend it. Uh, if you're not someone who likes to read, but you like audiobooks, you can uh, find it on Audible. That's always a great uh, place to to find books. Uh, people, you know, love to just listen to them on the way to work. Or if you're um, sitting at work and you do work that allows you to just kind of listen to things like music and whatnot, uh, audiobooks are a great thing to, to uh, listen to while you do that. So, uh Go ahead and check that out. Uh, it's directed by James Franco. A runtime of an hour and 44 minutes. Budget, $10 million. Box office so far of $20 million. And it stars, of course, James Franco, Dave Franco, Seth Rogen, Alison Brie, Josh Hutcherson, Jackie Weaver, Paul Shear, Zac Efron, among many, many, many others. Um... The list of people rake in this movie are hmm. ridiculous. I mean, it's just, everybody in Hollywood was calling up James Franco and saying, look, I just want to be in the movie. Put me in yeah. as a cameo, uncredited. You don't have to pay me anything. Just I want to be in this movie. And there are a ton of people, background, uh, Oh, yeah, stars, a ton of comedians especially. It's ridiculous. It's so many people. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, uh, trailer talk, uh, looking back at all the trailers that came out in front of this movie, none of the things that we've uh, already talked about on yeah. the, the last several podcasts, there's no new trailers. Everything that I, I saw before The Disaster Artist was the same trailers that we've been seeing in the last, you know, six weeks or so. Yeah. So, nothing new to talk about there. Um, one sentence review, Raker, for... The Disaster Artist. What is your one-sentence review? Uh, a light-hearted comedy. Well, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to confess I don't have anything typed out right here. So I'm going to try my best to simply give you a good sentence to sum up this movie. Um, I would say an unexpected drama with enough comedy and insight to uh, make you appreciate the room, the movie we just talked about, more. Yeah. Uh, mine is what the room lacks in basically every aspect of a quality movie, the disaster artist manages to be its near polar opposite. But most importantly, it has something important to say at its core. Yeah. Um, nice. So the plot synopsis for this movie is Greg Sestero meets Tommy Wiseau and an enigmatic fellow actor at acting class. The two form a bond and together they move to Los Angeles in an attempt to follow their dreams. When things go from bad to worse, they decide to make their own movie, which ultimately, ultimately becomes The Room. We see the highs and lows on their journey to create something. 
in that something is a terrible movie. <laughs> um, yeah, pretty crazy stuff. <laughs> uh, all right, so we're going to move on to our thoughts. Uh, but first, we have an iTunes ad for Freaking Geeks. Everyone knows that iTunes reviews really helps their podcast reach more people. But did you know that rating and reviewing us on iTunes will benefit you as well? Every month we'll be noting who rated and reviewed us across all of our podcasts. Doing so will put you in the running for a gift from our sponsor, Spindlecraft. If you rate and review one of our podcasts, you will gain one entry. If you rate two, you gain two entries, and so on. This allows us to give a little something back for taking the time to rate and review our podcasts. You'll continue to be eligible to win each month for six months, or until the sponsorship ends. Winners will not be authorized to win again. It only takes a few minutes, but we think it's worth it. You should, too. Okay, so thoughts about the disaster artist. Raker, go ahead. Um, it goes back to what I said. <laughs> you know, I'm, I was really happy with this movie. Uh, in the sense that, you know, originally when I was watching the trailers and just anticipating seeing it, I was expecting, you know, when you when you watch the trailers, you see Franco, you see uh, Rogan, and you're thinking, oh, here we go again. You know, you've seen these guys in the Apatow, Apatow whatever, movies. And so you're expecting comedy. I'm expecting scene after scene of pure comedy and how truly funny it was to have the room made. But then when you watch this movie you get kind of a drama, a lighthearted drama with elements of comedy to it. But definitely, you know, you didn't, I did not find myself laughing hysterically at any point. Um, you know, I, if anything, I, I left the movie thinking, you know, wow, that was, that was a good movie of friendship, you know, between Tommy and, uh, Greg Sestero. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just <laughs> just turned out to be a good movie. I don't I don't know how else to really say it. I I was pleasantly surprised, you know. Yeah, I mean, like I agree. Um, I think that this movie managed to shed some light on a friendship that is is kind of weird, you know. Right, I got a sense during this entire movie when I watched it that Greg likes Tommy, but I always felt like Tommy needed Greg. You know, I think a little more than Greg needed Tommy. Yeah. You know, I think there was there's a friendship there. There's an underlying bond, and I think it's definitely true. But I think the way Tommy tests you as a person constantly testing that friendship um you, you see greg constantly throughout this movie just second guessing whether he wants to be you know around tommy uh, especially when things get crazy on set and he starts to become kind of a tyrant um it, it gets bad and the breaking or the straw that breaks the camel's back is the uh, right after Brian Cranston kind of makes his cameo in this movie, <laughs> and he's playing, you know, pre-Breaking Bad Brian Cranston, so he's on Malcolm in the, Min the Malcolm in the Middle, and I think it's one of the first like couple of seasons. They're only a couple of seasons into the show, and he and he offers Greg a part. You know, he says, you know, "Come on, be a lumberjack. We need a lumberjack for the scene. You got this beard. You look great. You look perfect. 
Uh, so why don't you come, I think it was next week, and you know we'll shoot the scene. This is a big deal, right? Uh, Malcolm in the Middle was really popular at the time. It was early in its run. And as a young actor, this is, is a big moment, you know, because who knows? He goes to that show. Maybe he does a great job. Maybe he gets asked back. Maybe it's a, a role that could be a recurring, right? But Tommy is not sympathetic to Greg's plight. And so he makes him stick with the movie. Well, he makes him choose. And of course, uh, Greg, knowing what Tommy has done for him all throughout you know, the last however many years you know, they've been friends at that point, a few years, uh, chooses, of course, friendship over what he probably should have chosen, which was you know, his career. I mean, I say that not lightly because I know you, know, you should always value your friends and don't just, you know, choose other things, I guess, over, you know, being a good friend and being supportive. But considering who Tommy is and the way he took advantage of that friendship all the time, I think I would have gone back and changed that for Greg, you know, but, um, it's a good movie. It's a really good movie. It, uh, it's smart. It's well-written. It's well-paced. But like I said, um, in my one sentence review, at its core, there's an important message. Okay. And that message is, you know, creating something is hard. It takes guts. It takes courage to do it. And even if Tommy Wiseau created this terrible, terrible movie, at the end of the day, he he strove to do something. He had a dream. And you know what? He made it a reality. He made a movie. And I think people get so caught up on how bad this movie is that sometimes they fail to recognize that actual passion and energy went into it and that gets lost a lot yeah. and i think this is what this movie tries to highlight which is yes this is a terrible terrible movie and these guys had no business whatsoever either being behind a camera or on set but at the end of the day they did just that and they created something and you can't take that away from them and it took courage and it took guts and you can't you can't just laugh at Tommy and and not also look at what he did and what he tried to do because that's important too. Yeah. So Yeah, I mean, just you know, the fact that you said that you made they made a good movie. I mean, look at the uh the awards the other night. What was that one? Jeez, I can't remember. Uh, the Golden Having Globes. A, thank you. Jeez, I really sound like a real big movie goer, huh? <laughs> um Yeah, the Golden Globes the other night. I, I don't have the numbers or the stats but you know i think franco won didn't he yeah best yeah for best comedy or yeah and we'll, and we'll get into that you know when we talk about the acting because that is definitely a highlight of this movie is the way that franco hit you know impersonated basically tommy wiseau almost to a almost right to the t like i mean if they sat next to each other you wouldn't you know in full gear mm-hmm. you wouldn't you wouldn't probably be able to tell who's who and that that goes for speaking and everything but like i said we'll we'll get to that i don't want to i don't want to harp on that right now mm-hmm. but when you said this was a good movie i mean we're not the only ones that think so you know i mean i think the academy 
realizes that this was a well-done movie also. And I, I can't wait to see how well it does in the actual like the Oscars Wars. and stuff. The Academy yeah, the Oscars. Awards. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, look, it's it's really it, – it really is. Um, I, it's kind of funny how James Franco did everything he could to kind of mimic – Tommy mm-hmm. in, in an affectionate way. It's, I'm not talking just yeah. about the acting. Yeah. I'm also talking about the fact that, uh, like Tommy, uh, now James did not write the movie. Okay, obviously there was two script writers for this movie, uh, but James uh, directed the movie and he stars in it and he produced it. So uh, there was this attempt, I think, to kind of mirror a lot of what Tommy did. Um, obvious the obvious stuff and maybe the not so obvious stuff uh, that you don't see but what i really liked is that james was obviously like tommy very passionate about making this movie he was from from everything that i've heard he really wanted to do a great job with this movie i think he understood where tommy was coming from uh and what he was striving to do uh, even if the end result was the room you know um and i yeah. think that that's what he tried to tap into and i think did a good job and i think as a director he did a pretty good job too yeah i think uh i think james franco's a pretty talented guy yeah yeah when yeah. he's when he's focused he gives you the disaster artist when he's unfocused yeah you know sometimes his stuff isn't great but uh i mean i've you know i've seen you know 127 hours was great uh, he's done, you know, he's done some good stuff, really. Yeah, you know, he gets a lot of flack for stuff, but I think yeah, this is good. Yeah. Uh, all right, let me get into some trivia here. So, to promote the film, um, actually, I did already mention this. They they put the the billboard was the same billboard they used for the disaster artist, uh, the location. Uh, so they put the billboard on Highland Avenue. Uh, in Los Angeles, that Tommy, the one that Tommy was out rented for five years to promote the room, mimicking the layout of the original billboard and including a phone number to RSVP for screenings. Uh, this is the first film in which James and Dave Franco have appeared on screen together. Oh. Uh, Dave Franco's real life, real life wife, I mean Allison Brie, appears as his love interest Amber. Huh. So, I didn't know that either. Yep. And uh, Michael Rousselette, who is credited as Patient Zero of The Room's cult phenomenon, uh, snuck onto the set for the final scene and is one of the first Andeus members to give James Franco a high five as he runs down the aisle. So did you hear uh, how The Room kind of started, like its cult following, Rick? No. So Michael Rousselette was, you know, this college guy. He went into a screening for the room. There was nobody else in there. He sat down and he watched this train wreck and was fascinated. Totally fascinated. I mean, he, he could tell it was a terrible movie, but uh, there was something about it, as we've talked about, that just sucked you in. So he went and got some friends and they came back and they watched the movie again. And I want to say they came back, I want to say a few more times, and I think... They brought some things like spoons, which they threw at the screen, and and some different things like things that now are kind of like what people do at all the all the cult screenings around the mm-hmm. the uh, around the United States. 
where they kind of throw stuff at the screen and yell stuff. I mean, that's all things they kind of started. But he's patient zero, and that's kind of how the cult of the room began. Uh, so, yep, that's just some trivia for you. All right, so we're going to get into the grades now. We're going to go down through the script, acting, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, script. Uh, prose. For me, I put observant, self-aware, with a deft touch, and a good message at its core. Uh, cons for the script. I thought sometimes the cameos, and there are some shout-out moments, they, they interfered a little bit from time to time. Mm-hmm. It's like they wanted to give a lot of celebrities their moment, kind of like, hey, I'm in the room. Um, and then there were some things where they tried to, they did redo a lot of scenes that you saw in the room, you know, for the movie. They showed you scenes being shot and things like that. But I thought there was a couple of times where I thought they were trying to kind of little indulge us too much with that. But otherwise, I thought it was an excellent, excellent script. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, I don't know really how much to elaborate on that. Like, yeah, obviously, it's well written. Now, I did not read the book. Okay. So I don't know how you know, how accurate it is to the book. Uh, but everything, you know, everything flowed nicely. Mm-hmm. You know, dialogue and characterization, everything worked well. I mean, it was, it was a, I think, you know, what what I saw, obviously it did have a good script. Um, cons, uh, I couldn't, I you know, to be honest, I mean, outside of what you said, I can't, you know, I think I don't know if the script is an issue per se. I think I think it has some other cons that we'll talk about later. But I, I really couldn't find many issues with the script. I think I think the script was pretty blatantly obvious, like good. You know, okay. so I, I I can't really pinpoint any cons per se. I think what you said was I do agree with that. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, I can't really think of many faults within okay. the script. Uh, my grade's an A minus for the script. Oh, my, mine's an A. Okay. Mine's an A. Uh, acting. Uh, are there any standout performances? Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Who are the standout performances? I thought James mm-hmm. Franco, of course, and we'll talk about him. And I thought Dave Franco did a great job yeah. as Greg Sestero. Yep. Yep. But I think everyone in this movie did a great job. Um, at the very least, it was um, solid. So solid all the way up to fantastic. Um, And that's really good. I mean, that's what you want in a movie. Um, I'll tell you what, I don't know what it is, but Hannibal Burris, I think, is a terrible actor. Okay. I don't know what it is, but whenever I've seen him, I don't know, in anything, he always has this, like, awkward look to him, no matter what he says or what he does. I just, and now he doesn't have a big role in this movie, so for anyone listening and thinking, oh man, you know, I mean, Hanover doesn't do a good job in this movie. I don't know if he says more than five things, but for the small amount of time he has, <laughs> if I could pick the worst actor in this movie, it would be him. <laughs> okay. I don't know what it is. I, I just don't know what it is. I just think, I just don't think he's a very good actor. I think he's a funny guy and, you know. I appreciate his comedy and such, but I just as an actor, I think, you know, I think they brought in too many comedians, too many cameos that we talked about earlier. Um, 
for them all to be good. You know what I mean? But yeah, I mean they they, they did. Yeah, but I just think there was yeah. Just I mean, but I much. get it though. I mean, this that's the type of movie. You know, you expect when you have Franco and Rogan in the movie together with, you know, once you see one or two other comedians, you know, you're going to see a ton of cameos. Um, so you're not expecting the world. You know what I mean? You're not expecting grade A performances from everybody. But I'll tell you what really impressed me about the acting was the chemistry between Dave Franco and James Franco, simply because, yes, we know they're brothers. But man, they did a very good job in this movie of portraying people that actors that weren't brothers you know what i mean they did like i mean yeah they do kind of look alike you know we've, we've all seen pictures of them and seen them in their movies and you can tell that oh yeah they're brothers but you know in this movie it, it didn't within the first five minutes i totally forgot about those two guys being brothers right you know and I, you can look at it two different ways like oh well they know each other so well that you know they can act like friends because they probably really are good friends in real life yeah, you could say that, but at the same time, isn't it hard not to act like brothers when you're trying to act like friends that are, you know, having an on and off friendship? You know? No, I think it's true. Right? I so definitely agree. I, I give I give credit for, like you said, the, those were definitely the two best performances, and and the fact how they interacted with each other was a great performance in itself. Yep, I agree. Yeah, I think they did a great job there. I think you're right. I think if there was ever a Dave Franco coming out party. This is it. No, yeah. I mean, he's been solid. I've seen him in, you yeah, know. I've seen him in, yeah, I've seen him in a couple other movies. You know, obviously, definitely not, you know, definitely a supporting roles. Mm -hmm. But I think after this movie, I think he's going to get bigger supporting roles, if you know what I mean. I, agree. I don't know if he's yeah. going to headline anything, but I think not he's going to get some bigger roles because he showed a lot more versatility in this movie than just the goofy young guy that he had played in all the other movies. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I think uh, acting for me is an uh, A. Yeah. A. It's, it's just really good. Yeah. Uh, directing. Um, James Franco does a good job here. I, I think it's uh, amazing to see the level of detail and craft that went into recreating the scenes, uh, both in the movie and in the credits. So if you, did you say and watch the credits at all, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, I did. So, the way they kind of lined that up, and it was like perfect. I mean, there was yeah. nary uh, anything different about like the scenes that they shot versus the scenes that were shot for the room. It was amazing. Wow. It was it was like I sat there mesmerized at the timing that they got down. To, it was really good. <laughs> I honestly think that if they were to re to have reshot the entire movie start to finish, like if, in the Disaster Artist, yeah. I, It'd be almost spot on. I think so. I would love if they had actually shot the entire movie. Yeah. And then, like, you could buy the yeah. room and then the, the room, you know, be shot and you kind of <laughs> view them side by side or one after the other and just. Yeah. I think that'd be pretty fascinating. Yeah. I think when they get sold on DVD, they should be sold as a dual pack. Yeah. A double oh, yeah. pack or whatever they call them. You know what I mean? Like, because. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. It, 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 I think it's going to happen. I think there's going to be yeah. definitely a package deal. And I, and I think Franco would be all for it. You know, I don't know how many of you've been following him with his little pressers here. You know, his little tours of uh, late night shows promoting his movie, The Disaster Artist. But he usually has Tommy with him, Tommy Wiseau with him, and he, Tommy and 
James Franco seemed to have a pretty decent relationship. You know what I mean? They can talk with one another, joke with one another. And it's, you know, I think there's a lot more to even this movie, like behind the scenes, than the fact that they made a movie about a movie behind the scenes. Right. You know, if that, if that makes any sense. I think it's, I think it's really cool that, you know, here's Tommy Wiseau, like three months ago, if he just said Tommy Wiseau, I'd say, who are you talking about? Now I think you could probably ask a couple people and they know who Tommy Wiseau is. Yeah, I, I like it. I, I think they have a good relationship. I think, like I said earlier, I think James understands Tommy. I think he understands mm-hmm. where he's coming from. I think he understands a lot about this guy. And I think they just have a good connection with each other. Yeah. Uh, I don't think J- uh, James is judgmental. Uh, right. I don't think he's out to make a movie to laugh at Tommy Wiseau. Um, yes, there are things in this movie when you watch it, you laugh because it is ludicrous, but they're also very, very true. Um, but I don't think James made a movie so that he could, you know, like financially, you know, benefit and make tons of money. And yet at the same time, you know, point a finger and laugh at Tommy was out and say, Hey, you made a terrible, terrible movie. Now let's laugh at you. That's yeah, not it at all, and it's definitely not at all. It's no. not what's in. It's not what's in line with the message of this movie, and the message of this movie is is something that's kind of warm, and yet also mm-hmm. like reaching for the stars kind of thing. Um, and they did just that. Just you know, they 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 pulled down a well, they pulled down something that wasn't a star. I don't know what it was, but it it was pretty bad. Uh, but they reached. They tried, mm-hmm. and what they. What they try to do is is kind of the point of this this whole thing. Um, you know what's kind of funny is here they make this movie on, based on a bad movie, mm-hmm. but yet their movie is so good that suddenly it's getting acclaim. Like, what are the chances of that you're making, you know, you're talking, you're, you're you're making a movie based on a terrible movie, but yet your terrible movie is getting acclaim. It's weird, <laughs> you know. It's weird that uh, – and, and I think it's kind of one of the funny things here. Tommy got what, exactly what he wanted. You know, Greg Sestero got exactly what he wanted. They made the room. It was terrible. It looked like the worst decision they'd ever made in their entire lives. Obviously, it's the best. Yeah. You know, look look what they've done. They, yep. uh, they've made tons of money. Um, they just had a movie made based on the movie that they made. <laughs> Uh, yeah. these guys are successful and yep. it's crazy uh, but anyway uh, directing for me is an A- because I just thought James Franco did a great job here yeah I'm going to give it a solid A Okay. Uh, not a plus not a minus just just a good A okay. I, I don't yeah he did he did a good job I mean yeah, I don't know what else he's directed I don't know if this is di- his, I, this is not his directorial debut is no it? I think he made at least one did, more movie prior um, to this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I th- I'll tell you what, I think he did a pretty good job. Like, you know, if I know he's directing another movie, I would gladly consider it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move on to special effects here. Uh, all right. So obviously, <laughs> you know, there's no CGI special effects, really. Um, but there are some practical effects. Obviously, hair oh. and makeup, you know, Making James Franco look like oh. Tommy Wiseau, uh, making Dave Franco, you know, look like Greg Sestero. So wardrobe, ma- wardrobe makeup 
and uh, the kind of practical stuff. Uh, I, I almost didn't even grade this. I thought, does this even deserve a grade? But you know what? There are practical stuff, practical special effects, makeup, and whatnot, things that they have to do. Uh, they do have to, you know, create those and employ them for this movie. So for me, I think it gets a B plus. Um, they did a great job of recreating the look and the feel of early 2000s era. You know, like 2000, 1999, 2000, 2001, 2002, yeah. sometime in that time frame, uh, about a four to five year span. You really f- kind of feel like it is back then. And yeah. I know because I, I was like, a, you know, in my teens. Right. Except for one thing was pretty poor, wasn't it, Michael? What was that? And me and Michael haven't talked about this. Okay. Um, what What did you think was the worst special effect slash makeup in the movie? Um, and I hate to be the nitpicker here, because here I was picking on Hannibal Buress, and now I'm going to be picking on this. So I hate to be that guy, but I am going to pick on this because it just bothered me. Okay. Uh, I, I can't think of anything right now. His so. beard. His what? Dave Dave Franco's beard. Okay. That there's no way that could really be his beard. That looks so fake. Okay. If that's his real beard, well then he grows a weird looking beard. beard because that beard looks so fake in that movie. I was like, oh my god, that looks fake. Okay. So that bothered me. Sorry. Okay. So that's where I knock that grade down to just a regular B. Everything else was money. No doubt. Everything okay. else is money. But the beard on Dave Franco, no dice. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Definitely. Now, you could, you know, if, if you want anyone out there, or even Michael wants to do the research to see if he really grew a beard for that movie, but I look like an absolute bonehead. But it looked pretty fake to me. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's move on to editing and pacing. So uh, I thought the pacing is really good here, and I thought the editing itself was just top-notch. It's an hour and 45-minute movie, okay? Uh, So the movie manages to get Greg and Tommy to Los Angeles, right? Shows their struggles within the first 45 minutes of the movie. It gives them a solid hour, really, to kind of show them Mm -hmm. writing the script, uh, doing all the casting, all that stuff. And then you know shooting the movie and all of the post shooting stuff that that happened. Uh, I thought that it was so well done because they had to do a couple things. First, they had to have them meet early in the movie, of course, right away they meet, and then they had to kind of make sure that you understood that there's some kind of a friendship going on here. You know, Greg's kind of I don't want to say he's taking advantage, but you know, hey, Tommy's like, hey, come live in my my pad. And Greg's like, yeah, sure, why not, you know? Um, And then it kind of goes and shows Greg getting jobs and he's succeeding where Tommy is failing. So we do that and then we have to move from there to watching these two guys struggle to kind of live their dreams, right? Greg isn't getting the jobs that he wants. Obviously, Tommy isn't. And then they decide to make this movie and then we're off to the races. That is so well done in this movie. I don't, I never feel like I'm being rushed. I don't feel like we're, we're flying through this material just so we can get to, you know, the scenes where the room is being shot. And, uh, it's just this nice, just, you know, very steady flow. Uh, it's so well done. We get the, the, the narrative 
kind of pushes forward at a nice steady pace. I never feel rushed. Uh, I don't feel like they did anything poorly here when it comes to editing and pacing. Uh, it's a solid A for me. I'm going to respectfully disagree. Ah, okay. I think I think the end was, was a little rushed. You know, I, I think I think when they they wrap up the movie, okay. you know, he does his death scene. You know, hope hopefully I'm not spoiling it for anyone. And then within literally a couple minutes, it's the end of the movie. Oh, we're at the premiere, you know, and, you know, we're best friends again and not best friends again, but, you know, we're getting along again. I, I do think that end was a little rushed. Okay. Um, well, I guess but, I could see where you're coming from. But, you know, I don't know if it's because I, had, I was trying to recollect the actual movie and was anticipating a couple more scenes, you know what I mean, to be mirrored. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that was the case. I mean, maybe that's what it was for me. I can't really, you know, say exactly why I feel that way. But I, I do I do think it was a little rushed at the end. So Okay. But that's, that's me. Okay. So what's your grade for editing and pacing? Uh, editing, I thought, was great. Uh, the pacing, I, I'd probably... I'd probably give a B, so an A and a B, so there you go, uh, B plus. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, all right, so we're down to our final thoughts and our grade for The Disaster Artist. Um, so go ahead, Rake, and uh, give me your stuff. I thought the movie... I'm very glad I went and saw the movie. Um, final... <laughs> I don't know how to, you know... Or to throw in some more that I haven't already said, uh, it, w- it was a pleasant surprise, and and I really I'm really enjoying the ride that it's on right now with all the acclaim that Franco's getting, the movies getting, the way they're bringing uh, Tommy Wiseau into the spotlight now. Um, I, I really enjoy that a little bit of a roller coaster right now. You know, I'm sure in a month or so we won't even remember all this, um, but in terms of just the final thoughts of the movie, just Wow, you know, it goes back to what I said probably at the beginning of this particular, you know, this part of the podcast, you know, when we started The Disaster Artist. Just a very pleasant surprise. It it was a nice drama with some comedy in it and well-directed, well-acted, well-written, just a solid movie up and down. So, uh, grade, I give it an A. Okay. Uh, for me, yeah, it it was definitely a pleasant surprise. I remember seeing the trailers for The Disaster Artist, and I wasn't convinced at the time that it was going to be really, really good. I was hoping that it wasn't going to be as bad as The the Room, <laughs> and I figured it, it wasn't going to be that bad. But you never know with movies like this. You know, sometimes they try a little too hard. Mm. Right to be an homage to uh, to the movies that they're kind of yep. you know, um, showing the, like the behind the scenes stuff or, or whatever they're trying to do. Um, I feel like this movie managed to make the room better in a weird way. It kind of adds more depth and vice versa. I think the room kind of does something for the disaster artist, obviously, because that's about this movie being made. But I think it also means that the room feels a little more substantial, you know, in a weird way. 
Uh, it's like yeah. the the glowing light of the disaster artist kind of falls down on the room and makes the room just look a little better. It's it's still yeah. garbage. It's still terrible. It really is. Uh, yeah. But it it it's looking not quite so bad in this in this light right now. Um. So you know, for me, I think it's just a very well done movie with a smart script, excellent acting, something to say. Um, not just punchlines about this terrible movie that was made. Uh, and so I, because of that, I really, really appreciate this being made, and I, I'm floored by the quality on display here. Uh, it, it gets an A from me too. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really good. Definitely. All right. Uh, Raker, so let me ask you a question. Um, we haven't yet picked next week's movie, have we? No, no. So here, here's the thing. We wanted to do The Shape of Water. We were waiting for this movie oh. to come around, and it's not here yet. I know, right? Yeah, it's not here. So um, we don't know exactly what we're going to be doing yet, but in the next day or two, we're going to have picked the movie, and uh, I'll throw out an episode kind of giving you guys a heads up uh, so that you know exactly what's coming on Wednesday. That way you can write in if you'd like to. Um, and also, uh, Sarah, you know, once she is back and, and once she's uh, recovered from her sickness, we're going to be doing this this delayed uh, 2018, you know, episode of Freaking Geeks where we kind of talk about the changes that are are happening, that have already happened, things that are coming down the pike for 2018, things we're looking to do, uh, possible things that uh, might be coming as well. So there's a lot of things that we need to talk about. So look out for that hopefully very soon. I uh, wanted to get that out uh, like a week and a half ago, but uh, everyone was sick or recovering and it just wasn't possible. So once Sarah recovers, then we'll be able to do that. So hopefully in the next you know, three or four days, we can get this uh, uh, podcast out and kind of give you guys a better understanding of what has changed in the last, say, six weeks or so. So look forward to that. And look forward to finding out exactly what we pick. My guess is um, I'd like to pick, like, maybe um, some of these movies that are going to be nominated or are um, mm. already acclaimed. Uh Something like Lady Bird or uh, there's a few other movies out there that uh, Molly's Game uh, is supposed to be pretty good. Things like that um, could be fun. So, But we're not sure yet. But once we know, then we'll let you guys know uh, so you'll know what to look forward to. Uh, all right. Uh, Raker, is there anything else you'd like to say before we head out? No. Uh, really digging this uh, new format, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Really digging it. Looking forward to the next episode. All right. All right, everybody. Uh, looks like that's it for us this week. We'll see you guys next time on this awesome <laughs> Freaking Geeks double feature. We'll probably do another one very soon. We'll see you next time on the Freaking Geeks podcast. Thanks for listening to the Freaking Geeks podcast. Be sure to visit FreakingGeeks.com as well as our Patreon page at Patreon.com slash FreakingGeeks for more great content. Also, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Trust us, it really helps. Now, if you'd like to write into the podcast and share your thoughts and ask questions, you can do so by sending your email to FreakingGeeksMedia at gmail.com. 
You can contact Michael on Twitter using at Michael underscore Lanage. You can contact Sarah on Twitter using at Labyrinth Rose or at Freak Geeks.